notorious for not having my mic on, as uh, most of you will know. Uh, so, hey, there we go. Perfect. Hey, good morning. I'm Justin. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Dallas. Thanks, elders. Thank you, uh, Grace Meadows, for giving me an opportunity to come up here this morning and, uh, and be with you. Just a little about myself. Uh, I have a beautiful wife, Susan. We've been married uh, 11 years. I have a six-year-old son named Hugh, and uh, he loves golf, and he loves soccer, and he, uh, he loves this church. So we've lived here about seven, I'm sorry, we've lived here about 12 years, and I've been a part of worship ministry about seven or eight years now. And so um, I just wanted to say thanks for giving me an opportunity to come up here and, uh, and speak this morning. I really feel like in this process, God has worked on me. Uh, he is, he's challenged me. He's given me just a moment to sit in his calmness and, uh, but be pushed. And so I think that's a good thing. Um, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge I don't have a guitar in my hand, okay? I always have a guitar in my hand. So I might go back here and pick up one if I just get nervous, okay? If, uh, if you ever see me close my eyes when I'm leading worship, it's because I'm trying to remember what notes I'm supposed to play or the words I'm supposed to say. Uh, this morning, I get to look down and see that. And so uh, if that happens, please, please just forgive my nerves. So, uh, Buddy texted me this morning, uh, Buddy Gosey, and he said, just a word of encouragement, and he said, what God lays in your heart, it's your, you're just regurgitating it, but you're regurgitating it in the joy of how he's prepared you to do so. Uh, so, I just want to shout out to him, because he's really been instrumental, and so is Dallas in this process. So, let's jump right in, all right? God, you have already won. God, because of your sacrifice you have already won. Because of your love for us, you've already won. God, because of your grace for us, you've already won. Guys, we could go on and on for days about what God's done for us and about how he's already won. And I don't know about you, but I'm really, really thankful that God has been in my life and that God has helped me fight so many of my battles. See, the crazy thing is we can stand and we can talk for hours about how God's been good about how he's fought all of our battles and about how he's conquered our fears and our failures. And we love to praise and celebrate him for that. Guys, we love to celebrate victories in this church. We love to see our goals accomplished. Man, we love to see our failures and flaws just absolutely crushed. I mean, I get really, really pumped when I've got this thing that I am dreading and I know it's going to be terrible, and yet it's solved just like that. Guys, God did that. He's working in our lives. This is the stuff that we get excited about. And I, I was writing this, and I was like, man, I got to talk about this. We get excited about life change in this church. We get excited about people committing their lives to Christ, about baptisms. Anybody remember any good baptisms this year? Uh-huh. I mean, I know I do, right? Uh, the youth, Dallas, we've seen so many. And that's the stuff that we love to celebrate. Those public professions of, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I trust you, God, and I want the world to know. Those are the instances we celebrate the victories. But consider this question this morning. When we head out of those doors and the worship is over and we're done catching up with our friends, the sermon is quieted, and we're all full from our post-meal, do we still celebrate and praise like God's already won? Do we walk in the boldness of knowing what Deuteronomy says? For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you the victory. 
See, when we leave here from small group, we're refreshed in these times. We're full, we're happy, we're satisfied. We're filled and armed with God's word, his worship, his fellowship. But sometimes it's when we're the most bold. God gives us that boldness. He gives us that goodness. And sometimes we get a little lazy. We get a little too relaxed. We lose our focus. It's in these moments we forget that we serve a God who walks with us and who fights with us. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, this morning, I just pray that you help give me a testimony that turns people to you. God, help me to be a vessel for the words that you've asked me to share today. And God, when we walk, we know, God, that we do not walk alone. We know that you're with us, you're beside us. God, help call us to pull our focus to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Recently, I had a friend call me, telling me about their weekend and their early week. From the moment I answered the phone, I could hear the pain and the suffering in their voice. They were explaining to me about their father who was in the hospital. And even though their father was in the hospital and they had so much concern, they're still trying to help out with their family responsibilities, the needs of the church, and caring for others. And on top of it, they were sick. In that moment, I wish I had taken a time to just remind my friend, hey, God is in this. God is working in this. He's already fought that battle. He's already won your battle. I understand what you're going through, but God is present. He is working in this. I know I myself would have needed to hear that. And looking back, I really wish I had had the confidence and the knowledge to share with her in that moment. See, we get really worried about our physical needs, our demands, right? We have sickness, we have bills, we have work, we have kids, we have life. We got that daily grind, and it's hard. And in that moment, we often overlook that God is in us with that, and he's working in that, and he's already conquered that. I'm going to speak to myself for just a moment, and I know this is me. I am the world's worst to be self-reliant. I rely on myself in a lot of these things. I give myself these little pep talks in the week. I can do this. It's just a few more days and then the weekend. This is tough, but it's almost over. Or I'm over here trying to fix it myself. Anybody else out there that's trying to fix it themselves? Okay. But guess what? You probably find out the way that I do. That no matter how much I try, no matter how much effort and energy that I put into it, I can't fix it. Truth is, without God, I really can't do any of it. I'm going to share my story with you about fighting my battle when it came to surrendering my life to Jesus. See, I didn't come to fully know and love and trust Jesus until my early 20s. And I know I look that way, but I'm not. <laughs> I needed that, thank you. Sure, I knew who God was but I never knew what a true relationship with him was. I never knew what it meant to be connected, to want to trust, to seek his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, and stop trying to fight my own battles and fix it myself. I struggled with accepting Jesus as my heavenly father while I was struggling to accept my earthly father. I had people around me loving me, trying to encourage me as to who God was, who you could be in my life. But I was comparing that to my dad, 
they tried so hard to share with me where love and forgiveness came from, but y'all, I still had this struggle. I struggled with finding love and compassion and forgiveness for my dad. He and I didn't have the best relationships when I was growing up. You know, people talk about God being this really, really good father. And I, uh, as I got older, I just, I didn't understand that fully. I didn't know what a good, healthy father-son relationship was. And in my head, there was no way that I could accept someone as big and as mighty as God when I was having a hard time figuring that out with my dad. That in my head, it just could not be accomplished. I could not bridge that gap. I couldn't accept God as my heavenly father when I was tripping over having accepted just the guy right here beside me. But thankfully, people kept loving me, they kept encouraging me, and God kept putting people around me to help turn me to him. It was during a retreat one weekend, and I remember being in a small, uh, dark room, it was a small chapel, and, and up there, kind of like we have here, was stained glass, and in that stained glass window, uh, there was a cross, there was a small communion table prepared, and I remember in that moment, God showed me forgiveness when I was still caught up in my own mess. God showed me his forgiveness for my sin. He gave me calmness in the moment. And in that moment when I saw and felt his forgiveness for my sin and wrongs, it was only then when I could realize that I could do no works. I could fight no battle that would make things right. And I truly turned to the Lord and accepted Jesus as my savior. That's when I could understand forgiveness in my own heart and move forward with my earthly relationships. See, we have to open ourselves up to God's power, to his infinite capacity, and we have to place ourselves in a position of humility so that he can work in us. It's God's power, it's God's capacity, and he gives it to us. And when we find that in living a life and having a relationship with him, we celebrate him for that. See, I needed to trust Jesus. I needed to focus on him. I needed to cry out to him, give him my battle. And y'all, he was faithful. He moved. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who can stand against us? Psalm says, though an army encampus around me, my heart shall not fear. Wars will rise against me, and I will be confident. And I stopped for a moment and I thought about that when I read that. Yet I will be confident. What am I confident in? Am I confident in myself? Am I confident in my own abilities? Or am I confident in the Lord? He alone is the one who is for us. Let's not forget that. See, we got to set ourselves on a course where we live, breathe, and trust that Jesus does not call us to do something that he himself would not do. I don't know how each of us came here this morning, but I know most of us are all very blessed to have both head and heart knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And if today you have any questions about either of those, please do not hesitate to come find me, anyone with leadership. We would love to have a chat with you about that. But despite all of this, sometimes... I let my brain forget what my heart knows to be so true. I find that it's not our heart knowledge 
that diminishes in these moments. We know God. We believe we serve an almighty God. He's boundless of grace, mercy, love. Yet sometimes we let our head knowledge get mixed up. And God is not at our forefront. He's not our focus. Our good friend Dallas, Dallas Willard. I know you guys have never heard of the guy before. Right? Oh, oh, we have? Okay, just a little bit, just a little bit. All right. He says this. Thoughts are where we make our first movements towards God and where the divine spirit begins to direct our will to God and God's way. We have the ability and the responsibility to keep God present in our minds, and those who do so will make steady progress towards him, for he will respond by making himself known to us. We, church, have the ability and the responsibility to keep God first in our minds. Let's think about this as we read through these passages. Steve read them in Matthew, but I would like for us to read it again this morning. I think they're going to be up there on the, uh, on the screen as we go. So we're going to start in Matthew 14, 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took a hold of him, saying, why are you of little faith? Why did you doubt? And when they got in the boats, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I'd love to break this down a little bit and just go through each of these, because I think there's so much in this story that we can learn. Jesus takes a moment to pray. In verse 23, if you can throw that back up for me, please. He finds himself alone on the mountain after he sent the others out in the boat. Guys, Jesus is preparing for what he's about to do, for what is about to come. See, when we look back through the scriptures in so many instances, right before Jesus demonstrates his awesome power and might, he finds himself a moment to step aside and pray. How cool would it be if when we start our day, when we start our week, when we start that thing we're dreading, that we find a moment to step aside and pray. See, Jesus does not call us to do what he himself is not willing to do. The boat is a long way from shore at this point, and it says the, the watch, but it's really around 3 a.m. Jesus sets out across the water in the midst of a tremendous storm. I mean, let's just picture waves as tall as the roof and the most powerful winds you can think of. And yet, he, in confidence, 
walks upon the water. Huge storms in our life, huge things that we're facing, Jesus is not afraid to step into those. He, in confidence, walks upon the water. He walks in the storms of our lives. He meets us where we are, in our mess, in our struggles, in our heartaches, and in our battles. I'm trying to put myself in the headset of the disciples at this point. They look out at 3 a.m. in the midst of the storm, and they see a man walking on the water. I'm cool they thought it was a ghost, but I, I would have been even more scared, like Bigfoot or something, you know? Like, but Jesus sets out in the water in the midst of this tremendous storm. They, in their most terrified state, have a moment of calmness, and Jesus speaks to them. He calls to us in these moments. He says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. See, not only has he braved this storm and he calmed the sea, he speaks, giving us comfort and encouragement in these moments. But are we listening for him? Or are we more worried about the waves and the winds? See, I think this is where it's starting to really get good for us. The disciples have not only been in the storm and now they've seen what they thought was a ghost, but now, in this very small moment, they see that it is Jesus. And he says, it is I, do not be afraid. So Peter asked Jesus, God, if it's really you, ask me to come onto the water. And he doesn't miss a beat. Come on. See, Jesus calls us into the battle in that moment, but he's with us. In this the case, it's Peter to step outside the boat into the storm. I'm absolutely positive Peter is an absolute ball of nerves and anxiety little like me right now. I have no problem leading worship. I was terrified to speak this morning. But God is in it with me. Peter's a ball of nerves and anxiety and absolute fear. But I can imagine to look out and see Jesus standing there on the water, speaking calmness and encouragement to him. Come, come. There's probably a moment of peace for him in that. But here's the other thing. Jesus is not sitting in a rowboat. He's not standing on the land. Jesus is there in the water asking Peter to join him. He is not asking us to do something that he himself is not doing and that he himself is not willing to do. He literally walks with us in these moments. He does not abandon us. He doesn't say, Peter, come on out here and then pull up in like a first generation water ski and take off. No. He accompanies us in these battles, in these moments. Jesus is not afraid of the battles that we're facing. He's not afraid of our storms. See, when we fear and we panic, and when we panic and we do not have a plan, we falter. We lose focus. Peter in faith steps out of the boat because he believes Jesus. He, 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 he believes him. He says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to get out. And so he says, come. So he gets out of the boat, right? He trusts Jesus in that moment. But Peter lost focus on who he was with, of whom asked him to step out of the boat and whom he trusted in that moment. He got concerned about the, the battle. He got concerned about the waves. He got concerned about the winds. 
and he loses his focus. He loses his sight. See, when we're fighting our daily battles, some of them are monumental tasks that God leads us to. We have to keep our focus on God in those moments. Peter starts to sink when he lost the focus, when he tried to do it on his own. I know I've lost my focus. I've sank more times than I can count. Are we really any different in those moments? We must seek and earnestly work to maintain our focus on Jesus in these moments of battle and turmoil. In this world, we will have tribulations, but take heart, for he has overcome the world and our battles. This part is so key for us. We have to ensure that our eyes are fixed upon Jesus, his word, his teaching, or we falter and sink. We know we will face battles. We know we will face trials. But it is on who we focus, not the battle that we focus on. Here's what gives me more confidence in this story. Although Peter took his eyes off Jesus in that moment, in his panic, just like I've done, just like I have sank so many times, we serve a God that we can cry out to. Peter cries out. He refocuses his sight, his thoughts, his attention, and in his desperation, he says, Lord, save me. God provides. He's willing to help. He just wants us to call his name. He wants us to call upon him. He wants us to need him. He wants our cries of despair. He wants our reliance not on ourself, but on him, he who saves. Jesus defeats Peter's battle. He pulls him into the boat, and in that moment of battle, although Peter, I'm sure, experienced so much, that moment was really about our reliance on Jesus, and in that, Jesus demonstrates his mighty and awesome power. At that very moment, glory and praise were brought to him, and those in the boat immediately noticed, truly, you are the Son of God. That's a powerful story. Um, I know when I was going through it, I was like, this is, there's more here. There's more here. And it started to cause me to look into my own story. I think there's a few things that we can focus on to help us walk boldly, knowing that God's got the victory in our battles. Guys, we must commit daily to God. We must pray. We must read. We must seek after. We must worship. And we must spend time in his word. A few weekends ago, Tara shared with us that she is not the best, ver best version of herself for Matt and the kids if she is not connected in the Word. Isn't that true of us all? I know when I'm disconnected, I'm struggling. I'm falling. I'm sinking. And it happens in every aspect of my life. We must trust that God is in the battle with us. God's not sitting in a rowboat while you step in the water. God is at your house, he's in your car, he's in your hospital room, he's in your bedroom. For those missionaries, he's on the mission field. He's with us in the battle, and he is oftentimes leading the way. The Lord is my help helper, I shall not fear. What can man do to me? That's the thing that keeps coming in my head in this moment. The Lord is my helper, I shall not fear. What can man do to me? 
We have to remain focused on God in our battles. Just like when Peter loses his focus, he begins to sink. We oftentimes will face the hardships and the things that we see on Monday, on Tuesday, on Friday night. We have to maintain our focus on him. We have to seek an intimate relationship with him. We have to push into God because, guys, when we push into God, he pours into us. And he's done that for me this week. I pushed into him to find this, and he poured into me. His word is our food. Give us this day our daily bread. He gives us all that we need in our moments, in our battles, in our trials. He gives us his capacity. He gives us his compassion and his power. He wants to use us as vessels for his works. God who works in us to will and to act is to fulfill his good purpose. We must praise God in those battles. He gets back in the boat. And all those guys in the boat just realize what just happened. Not only did they see a ghost on the water, not only did that ghost speak to them, which is Jesus, not only did he speak calmness, not only did he call Peter out, not only did when Peter focus, he was able to make steps, but when Peter sank, he cried out to God, and God pulled him back. God rescued him. God saved him in that moment. God worked in that space, and the storm stopped. And they said, truly, you are the Son of God. We must praise him in the battles. We have to see and acknowledge that those acts that occur around us daily, this is the beauty and the omnipotent ability of God. We must rejoice always. We must pray without ceasing. And in everything, we must give thanks. See, when we acknowledge the victory in the battle, it is because of Jesus. This gives us the reason to celebrate. We must be confident that our God hears us and that he wants to hear from us. We praise him from the mountaintops. And guys, we have to praise him on our knees when we're in the low valleys. He's with us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, We are chosen to declare the praises of him who called us out of the darkness and into the light. Worship team, you can come on back up. When I go back and think about my story of my earthly father and my heavenly father, the thing that hung me up is my focus was on the battle. It wasn't on Jesus. I was worried about the details. I was worried about fixing my own mess. And God was worried about none of that. When I was shown by Jesus his forgiveness, his faithfulness, and his desire to want to know me and love me, when I couldn't get it right with my dad, he said, man, I've got this. Justin, I've got this battle. I'm with you in this. And he helped me to focus on him and his capacity and not me and not my own. And in his works, I get to praise him in that victory. I got to tell my dad before he passed away many years ago that I forgave him. And that was probably one of the last things I said to him when he was on earth. We got to find our initial focus on him and not on the battle. 
Because when we do, that battle never starts. We know the outcome, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to say something that may be a little controversial, but I promise I'm speaking to myself in this moment. How we order our thoughts, it reflects on our reliance on God. Are we focused first on Him? Are we focused first on me? Did I try and fix this myself? Or did I seek the Lord first in this instance? See, when we order our thoughts in a manner where God becomes our first and central focus, God reveals himself and he makes himself known to us. I really truly believe that God wants us to focus first on him, keeping him in the forefront of our mind. When we put God first, we know we are focused on our king who's been victorious in the battles that we will face. God being in our minds and in our hearts first means that battle is already won. Thanks, Jesus, for helping me defeat that battle. They're going to sing this last song. You've already won. And um, thank you guys for, for just jumping in and, and crushing that. Um, it's been something that has spoken to my heart, and I hope it speaks to you all at the church. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you for knowing that we serve a God who is bigger than all of our messes. He's bigger than all of our battles, that you're with us, that you lead the charge, that you stand beside us and you love us through it. God, help us to focus on you. Help us to be reliant on you and not on ourselves in these moments. God, we thank you that you fought our battles, that you won the battles, and you've won the ultimate battle. It's in your name.